0: Hello, my name's Jane Dacre. Welcome to the second season of Medical Women Talking. The podcasts are made up of conversations with some amazing women doctors who've had incredible careers. Being a woman and a doctor can be challenging, but these conversations are designed to be shared to help those women aspiring to fulfilling careers and to leadership roles. We hear a lot of negative stuff about medicine these days, but these inspiring stories show us that medicine can still be brilliant, listen and be inspired. Fiona Cornish is a GP. She also has four children. She's been the president of the Medical Women's Federation and is passionate about inspiring the next generation of women doctors. Fiona, Tell me about your career. How? When did you first decide
1: you wanted to be a doctor? I think it was when I was about 14 or 15, I really liked sciences, but I didn't want to work in a lab, I wanted to work with people. So I looked around and thought that medicine would be a really good career for me to combine the science and the people. Uh, and I, my parents weren't doctors, so I had, the closest was a great uncle um, but I investigated it and um, thought that it would be a really good career to go for.
0: And how did you go about getting there?
1: Well, I applied to um, Cambridge because I wanted to go to a university to, rather than a straight to a medical school so that I'd have more variety of people and I thought it sounded a very good course. Um of course, at that stage, one's not very uh, experienced or clued up. So go and have a look round. Um, and I was I talked to people who were doctors. Um, I didn't have much work experience, really. I did go and visit um, a surgeon and had a look at an operation. And I talked to a few people, but I didn't have nearly as much opportunity of work experience as people do nowadays. Um So it was a bit of a punt, really. So off I went to Cambridge. And of course, for the first three years there, you don't see any patients. It's all science. It's a very traditional course. Um, But I really enjoyed it. And um, at Cambridge, you're allowed to do a different subject in your third year. So I actually did history of art. They were you were allowed to do any subject. Um, So that was really interesting and gave me a, a different outlook on on um Cambridge and different subjects meeting different people and I've I've found that really valuable so uh,
0: quite an academic person are you quite an academic person behind the scenes it sounds like a glittering academic career so far
1: oh well I was a bit nerdy yes double maths chemistry and biology
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting. A lot of the women I talk to do admit to me that they're girly swats behind the scenes. Absolutely. It's interesting yeah. how they want to
1: be my school wanted me to do maths but um i said i wanted to do medicine. and i'm very glad i did i'm sure i would have plateaued cambridge maths is stratospheric i would have reached a plateau and not been able to go further but um, it, it,
0: that interesting mix between um people and and science is is something that something that comes through uh, and and then also uh, not so much being academic but being prepared to work hard seems to seems to come through
1: yes I think that is um, somebody said, you know, you're very lucky to be blessed with um, the ability for toil. And, uh, you know, I think you need to be able to work hard as a doctor. And it is good if you've if that is something that you're willing to do. And and of course, um, you know, I did the music and the sport and everything else as well. So I'm used to my life being very busy. Uh, I was at that stage. So it just continued, really.
0: Okay, so then you qualified at, you do your clinical at Cambridge?
1: No, I actually went to St. Thomas's. Most people in those days did go to London and it was a very small new medical school in Cambridge. It's now the other way around. Everyone stays at Addenbrooke's and nobody goes to London. But in my day, you people, most people went to London. Some went to Oxford and I ended up at St. Thomas's, which was... was well, it was interesting because um, the Oxford and Cambridge people were slightly regarded as intruders arriving after the preclinical course. Um, but we all we all mixed in. It was just it was slightly uh, more difficult to um, to integrate than I had been expecting. But then I had a great time there, and uh, that was good. See a, a different side of life, and also nice to be in London, where. You know, a lot of my university friends had had moved to London and we're all doing different things. So I shared a house with my brother who was trained to be a barrister and another friend who was in the city. So it was a good mix. Um,
0: And so when did you decide on your specialty and and why?
1: um, Well, I was quite keen on paediatrics at one stage and then I realised that general practice would really suit me because Um, I love the variety. And I thought, well, I'm going to see everyone, all ages, male, female, some very ill, some not so ill. And um, because I'm keen on on people, uh, I thought, well, I'll be able to build up a relationship with my patients over years. And that, I think, is incredibly valuable and something which a doctor, um, it's a privilege really to be able to do that. So. Um, I applied to a GP training scheme and uh, Cambridge was a place I knew. So I applied there. And in those days, general practice was incredibly popular. There were four places on the the vocational training scheme each year and there were 100 applicants. Wow! So it was a fairly scary interview panel of about 10 or 12 consultants. Um, anyway, I was lucky enough to get a place there. And Went to Cambridge and had a very good rotation with obstetrics and gynaecology, paediatrics, geriatrics, general medicine, and then a year in general practice. So um, I I felt that was very good. The GP training scheme has changed quite a bit since then, and not everyone does paediatrics or obstetrics, but in those days we did. And
0: then you stayed in Cambridge?
1: Then I stayed in Cambridge, um, I was looking, I was doing a GP locum, I'd just got married and then discovered rather quickly after getting married that I was pregnant. So <laughs> there I was doing a GP locum. My husband was a fairly precarious academic who was had done a mature PhD. So um, I was doing a locum in the practice because one of the partners had gone off sick and they then needed to he decided to leave. So they needed to replace him. And so I uh, was in the, in the practice anyway, and they did in a rather low key interview. And I said, but I'm pregnant. And they said, um, in those days, very unpc." pc So they asked me, "A, well, I told them I was pregnant. And then they said, are you planning to have any more children? <laughs> Which you wouldn't be able to ask now, I'm sure. So I said, "Probably." Anyway, they were very enlightened. There was one female GP and three much older men. And they said, Yes, you can be a half time partner. And so I was very lucky and went on to have four pregnancies, all, you know, and took four months maternity leave each time.
0: So not much maternity leave?
1: Well, um, only three months was paid. And uh, we weren't really in a position to take an awful lot longer than that because my husband's career hadn't really got going so I took one month of holiday stroke unpaid leave and the three months of paid and then went back to work so uh,
0: I, I was talking talking to I think the the short periods of maternity leave was was what we all did in those days was not yes it? So we had to um but I I was talking to another um another of the 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 women that we're talking to who said that when she was asked during her job interview whether she was going to have children she said oh no 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 <clears throat> and then of course she got pregnant as soon as she uh, as soon as she got the job so it's it's quite a it was quite a difficult time then so um fantastic that that they that they didn't bat
1: an eyelid and that you carried on but- well I th- yes I think it was very much helped. there were it had been an all-male partnership and then one of uh, there was they had one woman Pauline Brimblecombe who was um, my immediate senior and she had blazed the trail she had two children she was the one who had you know got them to think about it and to have a woman and so I was actually I did well coming after someone who'd been the trailblazer so I think it's it's very good if there's someone if Who's already paved the way? You can you can benefit a lot from that. If there's another woman who's been before you and done something, it makes it much easier. So it wasn't the first time they'd ever seen a pregnant doctor in the practice.
0: Um. So did you? You said you you worked part time. Uh, so that's also quite unusual. To is it to be able to work part time uh, in those um, days?
1: In those days. Yes I think it showed because general practice was quite could be quite flexible because it works as a small business so um I didn't job share I think it's easier actually not to job share I was a freestanding half-time partner who did two and a half days a week I did my on call every once a week that was part of the deal and in those days we were on call you took the bleep you were on call for the night I remember saying, do you mind if I just finish breastfeeding and then I'll come and visit you? Uh, <laughs> uh, we did whole weekends. So you'd have the bleep for the whole weekend. You'd set off for a walk with your children not very far. And then the bleep would go. No mobile phones. Had to turn around, and go back to the house and then ring the answering service and be told where to go, and what to do. Um, so although I was a uh, half time, I... I took on the responsibilities of being on call and um, being buying into the partnership and doing some of the practice management. So it was it it, it worked fine, um, and I think that's easier than job sharing, where you're very dependent on somebody else and you've got to fit in with their timetable as well. Mm-hmm. So when people ask me, I always say that it's better to be a freestanding person rather than a job share, if possible.
0: It gives you more flexibility. So have you always worked part-time
1: then? Uh, no, then as my children got older, I increased um, up to four days a week. So most of the, once they were, um, say, eight and above, uh, I had them quite close together. I had four children under five. Um, wow. So <laughs> it was quite a military operation. <laughs> um, and uh, then after that, I went up to four days a week. So we had a childminder for the first child and then went to a nanny once we had two. And, right,
0: and then but, kept it. So, so, a lot of people are intrigued about how uh, we managed with childcare in those days. So, what, what did you do? Childminder first. Yes. Then...
1: And then a, na- a live out nanny who just came on the days that I was working. And um, luckily for me, I mean, my practice is about a mile and a half away, and the school the children were at is between our house and the surgery, so I could take them to school on my way. um, And then the nanny would be there to look after the little ones or whoever wasn't at school and then collect them. And then I tried to have quite early afternoon surgeries so that I could be home by five. Um, And in those days, there didn't seem to be quite so much paperwork and admin and the stuff that makes the GP day very long nowadays. Mm -hmm. So it it does require a bit of efficiency, though. So I was always uh, trying to get everything done as I went along.
0: Yeah, I I, I strive to be efficient and organised. It's not it's not my
1: forte, but I really work hard at it. I think we all do. We all do. We've got. and, And then what really used to bug me was these men hanging around at the end of the day, just chatting and having a nice time and you're thinking why aren't you getting home and then I realized that actually if you delayed it a bit you missed bath time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So did you have any time for yourself? No I don't think I had any free time for about 10 years. So what about keeping body and soul together how do you how do you what do you do to to relax and maintain your well-being?
1: Um, Well when the children were little and uh, I suppose it there wasn't any such thing as me time, but we did, we did go out in the evening. So we often had a babysitter. I still sang in a choir and uh, would be quite happy to go to evening events. We didn't have any sort of qualms about leaving our children with a babysitter. And I'm afraid we always paid a babysitter rather than doing a babysitting circle where you had to go and babysit for somebody else another night. So um, and the other thing that was massively helpful, my parents were enormously helpful and used to have all four children stay, for, the, for example, for the whole of half term. So that I because it's difficult with holidays to work out uh, exactly, you know, how to occupy everyone over the holidays with only six weeks holiday. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because the other thing that I think is different now is coming across as being different now is that uh, I think think we could afford our own homes and we although we spent most of our money on it yes. we could afford childcare. and I think that's something that appears to be much more much more different now because of the relative uh do I call it a relative reduction or the lack of increase in in um in
1: income yes exactly so you know we had our own house good size house um when when we started so we've never had to move um and i have been very lucky in in living very near to my work so i haven't had a lot of time traveling and one piece of advice i was given years ago was to get a cleaner you know you're a busy doctor you've done all this training you've got children you do not want to come home and spend your time cleaning now that sounds indulgent but i think it's it's very good advice that i give yeah. to other people yeah so, I-
0: I think it's essential. It's essential, but I, I struggle to see how it's affordable yes. for um, for for people coming through. So, so you talked about uh, um, being in a choir. Other yes. Things are you able to? Were you able to do other stuff? Because you talked about being involved in sports and what have you when you were at university. Did that go by the wayside, or did well, you? Well, It did
1: rather. Better? I mean, it's quite energetic running about with children. But I enjoy tennis, which I couldn't really do very much of till the children were a bit bigger. And then I played with them, but took them to tennis lessons. So, and that's nice. So now they can all play tennis and and that is a fun thing to do. Um, running is quite good because you can do it in a limited time. So I've always enjoyed running. I did cross country running at um, Cambridge and have done half marathons and a London marathon. Um, but that was quite difficult. We used, I used to do every other day, my husband would be um, you know, on waking up, alert. While I went off for a run round the uh, round the farm, and then came back again. So, and of course in Cambridge you can bicycle everywhere, so that's a good way mm. f- of mm. getting exercise. And once the children were old enough, they all bicycled to school. So,
0: oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Very. It, which is
1: a very nice way to go to school. Yeah. So you got involved in the Medical Women's Federation. Tell me about that. Um, oh yes, well. Um, I was very early on. I was instructed by Pauline Brimblecombe to go to Medical Women's Federation meeting. Um, it was the reason she got into it was that at the Addenbrooke's Hospital there were six male obstetrician consultants and they were appointing a new one and they appointed another man and this really got Pauline going and um, so she was very good at promoting women. So I was a diligent junior partner. I went along to a Medical Women's Federation and was very um, impressed with these dynamic older women who had struggled far more than I had to um, uh, to achieve their career goals. And so I, I have always been involved with it ever since then. And um, it was absolutely awe-inspiring, really, to meet these older women. And my husband used to think that it was a bunch of, you know, cardigans and cocoa and not a very glamorous organization. But actually, then more younger people used to go and I could really see the point of it. Um, And so I I used to go to local meetings and then national meetings. um, And then I got the tap on the shoulder to be an officer. And I started as the treasurer and then uh, was the vice president and then and then the president. And I found that a really rewarding thing to do, and it was very interesting.
0: What what sort of things did you do for them? What did what were your greatest achievements in the MWF?
1: Um, well, there were several sides to it. One was campaigning for better arrangements for women. So a simple thing was that in the um, RCGP exams, if you were less than full-time you still had to do the full number of um assignments for your exams and things and we pushed for that to be pro rata and that sort of simple thing just made people's lives better so that sort of thing was good we promoted women in leadership roles we participated in things like women in the city which i think you were involved with i was a a
0: happy you were a, a
1: winner yes So, just generally promoting women in leadership positions. um, And the meetings of the MWF were always lovely because they had a complete mixture of specialties and a mixture of seniority. So, if you went to one of their meetings, um, you would meet uh, women doctors from all sorts of different areas and all different levels and then it was a really good environment for example for junior doctors to do an abstract presentation um, or to participate in a conference a very supportive environment and they could cut their teeth on you know being doing some public speaking in a in a very nice environment where people were going to be encouraging it was a good way of networking um, and people used to you know really make good contacts and for career learning about how to develop their careers and uh, and and how to be more flexible working was another thing we had a lot of campaigning for. And we were represented on the GPC. I was the Medical Women's Federation rep rep on the GPC for a bit. They had somebody on all the BMA committees, which was which was very good.
0: I think it's it's really helpful for people who are stuck in the NHS, which can feel a bit overwhelming to have an outside professional support group. And yes, the the, the Royal Colleges and the Medical Women's Federation and other organisations fulfil a a sort of well-being role, don't they? Yes, they do. As well as um, just being political or doing whatever else they do.
1: And we um, tried to set up a mentoring scheme. Well, we called it buddying because in this, in mentoring, some people seem to have very specific definition and criteria of mentoring. Yeah. So we called it a buddying scheme. And the idea was that a more experienced doctor could be put in contact with a more junior one and not necessarily, you know, the very senior with the very junior. Because what we found was that people gain a lot from talking to someone who's just one or two years ahead of them. So that they're in touch with what they're doing and have got, you know, instead of being out of date or, well, in my day, we did this. And but actually really practical advice. This is how you need to organise your rota in a hair. in. You know, if you're getting married next year, I suggest you do this, that or the other to make sure your rota is organised. So really quite practical things.
0: Fantastic. So we're coming to the end of our time now. So I was just wondering whether you had any pieces of advice to give um, to those people who might be listening who are on their way, on their way
1: up, on their way through. Yes. Well, I think um get a cleaner is one. Don't delay having your children. Don't worry about being underqualified for a post. Plenty of men will apply for things when they haven't ticked all the boxes. So uh, you know, enjoy your career, work hard, play hard. A full life makes you a better doctor. Take the opportunities, say yes rather than no. Um Make the most of your friends and colleagues. Learn to speak up. Build confidence early on. Um, find inspiring role models, male and female, qualities to admire. Um, be the three A's. I was told: able, amiable, and available. Um, so, anything uh, not to
0: do? Any, any, any learning from
1: uh, bad times, mistakes? Anything to avoid? Yeah, well- Uh, qualities to avoid don't be grumpy or brusque with patients or not a team player because you know we all have seen people behaving like that and it's it's not a good thing so don't be one of those (laughs) um support your friends and colleagues uh connect with all staff including nurses and allied health professionals and think about the work culture that you're in um that's those Thanks. I had to do a, a ten top tips once. I think those
0: were. The... A, no, fantastic advice. Fantastic advice for for those coming through. So, Fiona, thank you so much for for talking to me. That's been really really illuminating to hear from you. So, thank you. I'm sure people will love to listen to it. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Medical Women Talking. It's been a privilege to spend time with all these medical women. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this season. Don't forget there are many other interviews in season one.